Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. Goodbye, kids. Have fun. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Liz, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. Happy Mother's Day, you guys. You girls, you women. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so I just wanted to um, just take a moment and say that we honor the mothers in this room. It's a, a high calling, a lifelong calling, right? And I love that this morning, for a brief moment in time, my children, I think, recognize all the hard work I put into my role. It might be fleeting, but it's a moment, right? <laughs> Where they acknowledge it, um, how much of myself I put into that role. Um, but I also, uh, on, on days like this, I want to hold space um, for those of us that have you know, we, we might have positive and complicated feelings about today. You know, days like this are not always perfect in their hallmark sense, right? Um, so if you have pain or mixed feelings, and today can be complicated in ways, like we hold space for you um, as well. Uh, if you know me personally and you know my story, I lost my mom as a child. Um, and so for many years, this day was not a great day, right? And in many ways, it has been redeemed since having children. But even my journey of having children was difficult. I had many miscarriages. So there's always mixed feelings on days that you're supposed to feel a certain way, and that's okay. Even today with my own kids will be moments of happiness and moments of craziness, okay? <laughs> on my way here, we're the traditional arguing to church kind of situation, you know? Like, it's okay, and we hold space for the joy and the complication. Just extend that to you today. But in the spirit of Mother's Day, I felt like the Lord really impressed on my heart this message about women today. Um, and we're in this series called Empowered, right, where we are kind of leading up to Pentecost, which is in two weeks, where we remember the Holy Spirit coming to the church, and we're talking about what it looks like to live an empowered life because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so today is about empowered women. That's what we're going to talk about today, how we as women have influence, um, God-given influence, and the Holy Spirit uses us in every sphere of our life to bring about his goodness. So maybe you have been impacted by an influential woman. Wait, raise your hand if you've been impacted by an influential woman. That's right, your hand better go up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, it, just, it just happened. Um, but maybe that person's sitting in your row, you know, you can look around. There's been lots of women that have impacted me even in this room. Um, so just, a, a, I'm going to give a highlight for a few women from history that have been impactful. There's Amy Carmichael, who is a missionary, famous missionary, who at age 28 arrived in India 
from Ireland as a missionary, and she soon realized the plight of young girls that were as early as five or six years old were married off to temple gods and forced to live in lifelong prostitution. So one by one, she began to rescue these girls, um, and she became a, a mother to more than a thousand Indian girls. And she ministered amongst the poor and untouchables of India for 50 years without any break. They call that a furlough um, in missions work, where you, you go back home to your homeland and you take a break. She took no break, and she ended up writing numerous books all the way until her death. I have one of those books if you ever want to borrow it. Um, then there's Corrie Ten Boom, if you've heard of her. She... Um, her, her entire family helped many Jews escape the Holocaust by hiding them out in their home um, when the Nazis occupied the Netherlands. And one evening, their home was raided, and they were all arrested and interrogated, and they were all sent to a concentration camp. And Betsy and Corey, they ended up continuing to hold Bible studies and maintain their faith despite their um, brutal, brutal conditions. And then Betsy uh, died, her sister died, but Corey was released through some kind of clerical error one week before everybody in her age group were sent to the gas chambers. And then two years after this miraculous release, she met one of the former guards from this concentration camp. And she had just finished speaking about forgiveness to the Germans, and this guard came up to her and with deep sincerity asked for her forgiveness. And she prayed for God's strength, and she grasped his hands, and she felt like this electricity kind of take over her body and say, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. She said it, was, it felt like something had taken over her with the forgiveness of Christ. And then there's Maya Angelou. Have you ever heard of her? Now, this is a little bit of her story. After suffering abuse by her mother's boyfriend, a young Maya Angelou had courageously named her abuser, who then was jailed, but only for one day because he ended up being murdered by people that uh, took revenge in the situation. So she had trauma, from uh, the abuse and then guilt because of his death and all that led to her um, choosing not to use her voice. So she went on this like speech sabbatical um, and during that time she read every book possible. She just became a sponge of learning. She would commit entire plays to memory and poetry. And then finally, when she decided to speak again at the age of 13, she spoke with intelligence and education and very thoughtful words. And she became a best-selling author, the first female inaugural poet, and the first black woman to write a screenplay for a major film release. Maya spoke of, of justice and love and truth on some of the greatest stages in history. Now, the idea of God empowering women, right, is like age old. We can see this from history. There's been influential women all along the, the journey of history, countless women. 
Sometimes their stories are not highlighted in the way that they should be. But I want us to go back to the beginning of creation and look at the, the empowerment and the authority that God gave women when he created them. So we're going to uh, look at Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1 lays out this kind of sweeping narrative of creation. It's like the, 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 the fly-by look of creation where we're looking at this, this story where God has created the, the light and the heavens and the day and night and waters and skies and birds and animals. And he says, all of this is good. And it's all created to produce abundance. And then it climax in the creation of humanity. So this is what Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says in the climax of his creation. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So we see in this um, story that humans, they're created in a category that is different than the rest of creation, right? They have something that's different than all the other uh, creation, and that is that they're created in the image of God. They are image bearers, which, which is something that only human beings have. No other creature is created in the image of God. And there's, there's no hierarchy in this description. There's just this stunning, simple purpose of God created human beings in his own image, and he releases them to govern over his good creation. They're called to together reign and rule over God's good earth. And they're given God's power and authority to do so. How do you see in your own life right now how God has given you power and authority to carry out his good plans? You might be a mom that is caring for young children at home, right? And that calling has lots of up and downs throughout the day, throughout the years. You might be um, working at a company, working in a business, and doing it for the glory of God. You might find yourself caring for a neighbor or giving of your resources. You might pray for people. You might be doing several of these things. You might be somebody that volunteers a lot. You probably volunteer at this church because we love you and you do amazing things here and you give of your talents and your resources. You might be volunteering other places too. I know many of you do that. God is using you as a light and an encouragement wherever he has planted you. Some of you might be caretakers. You might be caring for other people in your family. You might be volunteering at your kid's school or doing kid's activities. 
You might be pouring into another person. You might just be doing the simple, mundane tasks of, of life, right? Wherever you find yourself in, God has given you power and authority to carry out his good plans for his goodness in his kingdom. What you do is, is meaningful. It's influential. Now, after Genesis 1, Genesis 2 takes us on a, another look of the story of creation. But this, this one is a little bit more like, you know, you take the microscope and you, you, you look a little closer than the f- first chapter, okay? So it repeats it, but in a closer-up lens. So let's look at Genesis 2, 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still... There was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and then closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So we see one of Adam's first jobs is to name the animals, right? God's bringing these animals to Adam, and this is also a process for him. He's going on a a journey of discovery to realize, like, this animal is not my equal, this animal is not my equal, this one is not like me, but he names them all, right? And then <clears throat> it, it, it climaxes, it's anticipating God's next move in the story, that there is no one equal to Adam so far in creation. So God puts Adam into a deep sleep, almost like a, a holy, you know, um, anesthesia, puts him to sleep, takes out a rib, closes it back up, and then he wakes him back up. And here, when he awakes, is a woman. He excitedly exclaims, wow, there is one just like me. How exciting. And then we're told, who is this woman? What's her role? What is she doing? She's going to be a helper who is just right for him. Now, this is where we get hung up a lot in our uh, Christian history. So I'm going to just, just unpack a little bit for us. Helper can be a tricky word because we put the, our cultural definition into the word, okay? And so we put our own understanding back into the word helper, and we often think of the word that it, that it has a connotation of um, like an assistant, right? So, do we have any, I'm going to illustrate this with uh, a TV show, one of my favorite, 
If anybody is a fan of The Office, you guys have watched The Office, okay? I have a few Office fans out there. The rest of you have to catch up, okay? Um, so I learned this week that Rain Wilson, he's one of the main characters. He's, he's an actor who plays Dwight Schrute in this uh, TV series, and he originally um, auditioned to be Michael, who is the boss of the office, okay? So that's who he auditioned to be. But he did not get cast as Michael, okay? He did not get cast as the boss. He got cast as the assistant to the regional manager. Michael being the re regional manager, he's the boss, and uh, Rain Wilson got cast as the assistant to the regional manager, okay? Kind of a, a downgrade, right? Um, but he takes on this role, and he embodies it, uh, and he becomes a very, very, very loyal suck-up to Michael, okay? You know, like the teacher's pet, but he's kind of the boss's pet, right? I mean, he would do anything for Michael, lay down his life, give his life. He's going to obey every uh, one of Michael's commands, right? And he's so proud of his role. He thinks he is number two in the company. Um, but he's not. He's just the assistant to the regional manager, right? And it becomes kind of this running joke. And to kind of like smooth things over, there's a scene where Michael invites him into the conference room and, um, and tells him that he has changed his title to assistant manager. And Dwight just lights up. He's like, oh, I'm so glad I've earned your trust. And he is ready to send out a memo and tell everybody. And he's like, let's not send out a memo. Let's just let it be between you and, you and me. You know, it's kind of one of those secret things that only you and I know that you became assistant manager. Because here's the thing, Michael was just playing him, right? He's just, he's just smoothing things over, um, propping him up without actual, without an actual raise, okay? He didn't actually get a promotion from corporate, right? He just, he just changes his job title. No raise, no nothing, but kind of um, keeps this fallacy alive for Dwight, that he has this desire to have leadership over his peers, and so Michael is just trying to keep that dream alive without actually putting, uh, you know, anything behind it, any actual authority behind it. And I think that sometimes women in Christian culture have sometimes felt like this, right? Maybe you've been told you have gifts and abilities, you can be influential here, here and here, but not here, right? You can be endorsed in some ways, but not always. And you can use your gifts here, but, but not here. And I want you to know that God is not tricking you into some kind of lesser authority in this passage with the word helper. God created a good world in Genesis 1 and 2. And he says, Every, this is good, this is good, this is very good. And the only thing that he says is, that is not good is that man is alone. And it's not, oh, the man is lonely, poor man that's alone. That's another one of those things we kind of put our, mean, our own meaning into. The man 
is alone, the Hebrew sense of alone is that he's acting independently or separate. See, Adam was not meant to just be a self-sufficient ruler over the earth. There is, there is no other animal, no other creature that is found that can co-reign with him. So God, God says, I will create one to be an equal helper with you. Adam's not meant to be a lone wolf. God creates a helper suitable for him. Now, this term, helper, the original Hebrew, it's translated as azer konegdo. Azer konegdo, a helper suitable for him. Now, the, the term azer means helper, helper and ally, which is like, I'm going to come to the aid of you. I'm coming to the help of you right? I'm, I'm doing this with you because there is, there is something that we are charged to do together. There is a mission. There is something that I come to your aid to help you with. That is a word, azer, that is often used to describe God himself in the Old Testament. So listen to this from Psalm 75. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help. You are my azer and deliverer. Psalm 121.1 I look up to the mountains. Where does my azer come from there? My azer, my help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's, that's the word that we're using in creation. God is coming to the aid of his people. He is an ally. We are an ally together, male and female, working together. Eve, as an azer, is someone who is bringing additional strength and resources to the job that God has called them to. She is a, a strength equivalent to Adam. She comes to his side, the side by side. The, the rib coming from his side is this, is this visual side by side reign that they have been given over the earth. And Eve is an azer, a helper, just right for him. Now, azer, konegdo, the, the word konegdo, the root word, of that is this Hebrew word called neged, meaning in front of. Now, not like in front of like a line, but in front of like facing each other, like, you know, like we're looking at each other, right? So here, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they're facing each other as helpers and allies created in the image of God, and then they're created to be unified, to leave um, their father and mother and become one, to be unified together in the fullness of God and fulfilling his purposes together. It's a beautiful picture, Genesis 1 and 2. 
But then you turn the page, and there's Genesis 3, right? Okay, this is where all the kind of unraveling happens. If you didn't know, you can catch up. Read 1, 2, and then you get to 3, okay? And this is where that unity and harmony just start to unravel, right? Because our enemy, the thing that they are supposed to have co-equal power against, he comes and tempts them. And he, he gets into Eve's mind and gets her to believe that she can be like God and act independently with her own knowledge of good and evil. And Adam joins in this rebellion, and they become culpable together. And then God gives this, this list of curses that are going to be the consequence of their choices. And there's one specific verse of this curse that becomes really clear to the situation that we're in. And that's Genesis 3.16. This is what the curse says. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. That's where we find the struggle of control. I'm sure you can all feel that. You felt that struggle throughout your life in various contexts. This this concept of, of control is like an absolute authority over another. The woman is going to desire to control and dominate the man, and the man is going to take absolute rule over the woman. The terrible effects of sin laid out for us right there. And we've felt it, right? We've felt the just battle of the wills over our genders in the workplace, in the church, in marriage, in all the spheres. This thing that was supposed to be created, the climax of creation that was supposed to be a healthy, unified partnership of men and women coming together to rule over God's earth has just become a terrible, harmful struggle of wills. You've felt that in your life, haven't you? You've seen the effects in your life. We all have. But the good news is that Jesus comes to restore that partnership. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to once again lead wisely and unified together. So Jesus calls us to this new spiritual community where we are equal in Jesus. And the new spiritual community that Jesus creates, he breathes his spirit on, and he empowers us once again with the spirit, not based on gender or age or status, but he breathes his spirit on all people. And in two weeks, we'll be at Pentecost, where we are remembering this moment in history. And right before this moment happens, you know, Jesus has ascended back to the Father, and the believers are all gathered, kind of unsure of what's going to happen next. 
what do we do? But they were told to wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so they're all gathered together. And Acts 1.14 says they all met together and they were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women and the brothers of Jesus. Okay? There's lots of people gathered here, men and women alike, waiting for what was going to happen next. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and a new spiritual community was birthed right then and there. And then everyone's confused you know, the town is confused. They're like, these people are drunk. What are they doing? And Peter gets up and says, they're not drunk. It's like nine in the morning. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what the prophets spoke about. This is actually the moment that we've been waiting for. The prophet Joel spoke about this long, long ago. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. God is bringing us back to this place of unity, that we are strengths equal to each other in his kingdom to carry out his good plans. And you have been empowered with his image wherever you're at in your life. When you spend time in your home, when you spend time in the workplace, when you spend time with friends in the community, living out his kingdom through your words and your actions. We're an empowered people right here. And we want men and women to use their gifts equally in the church. We are a church that, where the lights are all on. And by that I mean not like in my house where when um, I leave all the lights on, I get chastised, okay? <clears throat> Sometimes, I'm not going to say who, but somebody will go around and count how many lights got left on in my house. And I'm like, hey man, I'm just trying to live here, okay? Here's the thing, you have my permission to metaphorically keep all the lights on in this building. Keep them all on. Because each of us have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit, by the same Spirit of God. And you have my permission to use your gifts in this church for his kingdom. We're going to leave all the lights on. Yes, Sam, we're going to leave all the lights on. So I just have two questions for you to engage with God this week. And the band can come back up. What does it look like to engage your influence in this season of life? To know that you've been given influence, power, and authority 
by Jesus to carry his image in whatever sphere you find yourself in? What does it look like for you to use your influence in this season of life? Because it does. It changes. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes he calls you to this and this. But right now in this season of life, how can you fully use your influence? And how does it change things that God sees you this way? That he sees you empowered, full of his image. And he is calling you to use your gifts. How does it change that God sees you this way? I want you to just just think about those two questions this week. Talk to God about those questions this week. Journal about them. Pray about them. Just talk. Just have a dialogue with God this week about your influence and how he's using you and maybe where he's inviting you to something more. Let's pray as we go to worship. Jesus, thank you that you... You are a God that created each one of us very purposefully, very lovingly, with your good plans in mind. And I pray, Jesus, that you would just fill us all afresh with your spirit this morning. And that we, we would say yes to the places you have us planted. Yes, to the places you are inviting us to, to live out your kingdom, to use our gifts. Even if it doesn't feel comfortable, you are empowering us with your spirit. And I pray that you would just do more of that. God, we welcome your presence as we worship you. We want to lift you high in this place. We love you, Jesus. Amen. At Life in Your Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The kind of person that, like, sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like, you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, While I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you, and if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here, and if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.